What's going on, everybody? You're now tuned into the Catching Waves podcast live on Facebook Live, Instagram Live, YouTube, anywhere. You can find us right now. Tune in. Here with the homie Bluff Guy. What up? Got a very special guest with us today. We're live in Miami with the owner of Eight and Nine Clothing, Mr. Ray Gilbo. How you doing today, my brother? Everything's good. Thanks for having me. What's hey, up? Welcome to Miami. Hey, man. Appreciate it, man. It's a real honor to have you on the show, man, because I've been wearing this 8 9 clothing for a while, man. Uh, for a while. Like, this shirt here is, is pretty old. And I've been into your, to your brand for the longest, man. And I've never seen the face with the, with the brand. So it was refreshing to see who is putting all this together. Appreciate yeah. you, man. Appreciate your support. Hey, man. Like you had the shirt on. I wouldn't recognize <laughs> oh, I got I got a couple more, man. I got tons more. And uh, I had a, when I first reached out to, uh, I reached out to uh, some of your, your staff or whatever, I uh, started talking to Naps first. And Naps was the first one he replied to me. And he was like, uh, yeah, definitely, man, I'll set that up for you. I, it was a shot in the dark, man. And I really appreciate you having, you know, getting on the show, even to the time out of your day, just to, just to come on here, man. So it's a real honor and a blessing, man. Thank you. Appreciate you guys coming yeah, for sure. Definitely, definitely. So tell us about, about how you guys started your upbringing. Where'd you come from? Um, well, I've been a lot of places, man. I grew up actually just north of Boston, um, in Massachusetts. Spent most of my life in New England. Um, left after high school, went to college in New York, played hockey. Really? Yep. Uh, I own a New York, uh, I own a New Rochelle, New York. I went down there for about two years. Hockey thing wasn't working out the way I had planned it to. And then uh, I started exploring my options. I applied to UM, NYU, and Fordham, and one of my homeboys. And common school that we both got accepted to was UM. So okay. I said, shit. All right. University of Michigan? University of Miami. Oh, Miami. There's only oh, okay. one U in Miami. Oh, okay. There's only That's one like, UM when it comes oh, to that. Okay, big um, You know, um, University of Michigan, I got love for them too, though. You know, that's Tom Brady territory, right? <laughs> yeah, that's, you know? that's definitely Brady territory. You know, so um, I got love for them too. But now we came down to University of Miami and uh, thought we'd be out here, you know, riding motorcycles and living it up in our early 20s. And... Uh, that didn't work out either, but the view was great, and I started my businesses and uh, just stayed in Miami, never left. So what, what was the moment you like, you know, I'm going to start a clothing brand. I'm, this is going to be something that I want to do. I had my first store in New York before I left there. We had a flea market store in, uh, in Port Chester, New York, and we were selling sneakers, we were selling jerseys, and that kind of grew to us wholesale. Actually, we were probably wholesaling first, and then we started, started our own store. Yeah, so we were wholesaling jerseys, wholesaling sneakers, and it got to the point where we were like, you know what, fuck it, let's get all the money on both sides. Um, you know, kind of wholesale to ourselves. So we, we started that store in New York. Then I came here and, uh, you know, I was taking a little time out. I took like six months off of working for like the first time in my life. I had a motorcycle accident. And, uh, you know, I've been working since I was like 12. So by this point, I was like, all right, let me take a little time. And fortunately, I had, you know, stashed a few things away. Was it a pretty bad uh, accident? Yeah, you know, broke my arm in half, had the cast up the ear, some plates and screws. It was screws like the and, worst yeah. nightmare for me, like breaking yeah. the leg and all. Oh, it was terrible. It actually broke it right in the middle. I'm allergic oh. to morphine. So it was, uh, yeah, it was pretty ugly. I did that like two weeks before I moved to Miami. So we actually came down to the U-Haul um, with the bikes in the back. Thankfully, my, my boy drove and thugged it out the whole way. Um, so anyway, long story short, I was uh, out here just kind of doing the same thing we were doing in New York, just looking for new opportunities finding stores out here that were selling, you know, urban clothing and then hitting them up and wholesaling jerseys and sneakers. And, uh, you know, to keep the long story short, somewhere in that process, one of our store accounts had gotten a little over their head with some debt and uh, ran into some problems. We couldn't get himself out of it. So 
we made a gentleman's agreement that I took his store and I absorbed the security deposit and you know, some of the inventory that he had in there to kind of clear his debt. And that's how I got my first store in Miami. Um, and from there, uh, it was just us customizing clothes and trying to round out what we were offering with things that we could make higher margins on. Um, this is like, you know, the era of like, you know, $300 Jordans and $400 jerseys, you know? Um, so it's definitely a different time, but we were at that time putting a lot of patches on button ups and work shirts and just customizing dickies, which ironically is like the same shit that's popping now. Yeah. Like it was so long ago that it came all the way full circle. Um, so it's really just DIY look and we were, you know, making things and selling to rappers. And they would come to the store, buy the products. Some of them we made, some of them we were, you know, wholesaling, getting them in from China. And uh, at that point it was just like, how do we put a name on these things we're customizing? And I started, you know, doing research and, and looking at other ways that we can make our own products. That's pretty much how the brand started. It was really out of a, you know, a desire to fulfill a need for our customer and then make the most money possible. Obviously, when you get the margins as a manufacturer, it's better than buying at wholesale and selling at retail. So that's kind of how it all started. I think the, with the eight and nine name, it's kind of I read up, I read up a little bit on that. How it's definitely like the infinite perfection. Yeah, and that's that's kind of dope because with the number eight being sign of Yep. Then the number nine being perfect. It is. It's also a number of knowledge. It really depends on the culture. Um, you know, like five percenters, I'm pretty sure eight and nine is destroy and rebuild. Um, you know, in Asian cultures, I know eight is like a, a really popular number of prosperity. So if you get eight in your license plates or like your home address, then I guess you know, there's good things in store for you. Um, so just a lot of different meanings, and, and that's what we like about it. It doesn't, uh, you know, pigeonhole the consumer. If you're not necessarily like a skateboarder or a rapper or into hip-hop or whatever just because you wear the brand it kind of allows you to you know bring your own style to it um, rather than just being defined by the brand um, so there was a lot of choices a lot of different names we could have gone with but um, i think our longevity is in part to the decision to take a name that we add the qualities to it's a different um, name compared to like the sean john yeah you know sean john obviously can, you can't escape the connection to diddy so if you're not a fan of diddy or if he's not hot at the moment you might not want to wear it Young kids won't wear it because he's old. Yeah. Um, so, you know, with anything, um, there's always going to be the associations that, that come with the name you choose. And in, in the business they were in, you know, we started making people's sneakers look good. And a lot of those names are very literal. You know, you know, so that's that's a role that we embrace, and it's something that, you know, sneaker colorways inspire a lot of the work that we do. But it doesn't mean I want a name that is like sneakerhead clothing. You know, or like Fresh Kicks brand, or Stay Fresh, Fresh Baked, none of those things. Um, so for us, it's worked out great. I think a lot of our longevity is because of that choice and because, like I said, we don't pigeonhole or stereotype or label our customer. They can bring their own personality to the product. Right, the 89 name that stands out because I'm saying it's totally different as a name. Not just the name, but the brand itself, the clothes are not just for the younger generation, it's for everybody. It's for everybody. And like I said, like you said, this with the sneakers and stuff, the clothes match perfect. Every sneaker I own is the first place I go to, 89.com. For sure. Yeah, everything that everything that I like. And with the designs, what what was the first design that you came up with? Back then it was it was all about just asserting the brand. Like we had this new thing, like this baby, you want to show it to everybody. So everything we made was about the logo. Right. Just logo, 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 logo. Um, so the first design we ever made was actually like a stacked up felt applique 
uh, which was cool at the time because we never really we never printed T-shirts. Like everybody starts in this business, they go to the local screen printer, they make some shirts, they sell them, they make some more, and years later they figure out how to make you know cut and sew or custom clothes. Uh, we did this whole opposite. Like I don't know, I don't really know what I was thinking, but. Um, I do know what I was thinking. I thought I was going to be Sean John or Echo like tomorrow. <laughs> I thought I would just go overseas, make clothes, and take you know whatever seventy-five thousand and flip it and have two hundred thousand in like three months. Then I was going to flip the two hundred thousand, obviously, duh, and have seven hundred fifty thousand. And then after that, I was going to have two million. Like that's exactly what I was going to do. But I couldn't do that selling T-shirts. So my ambitious self, I went overseas to Pakistan, and yep, we did all of our production there. Um, unfortunately, that was the year of September eleventh, and our first collection was Holiday. So I couldn't get the goods out of Pakistan, and it, you know, it gave us some major setbacks. Um, but anyway, point being is the first shirt we ever made was a, a two, you know, two-tone, two-level applique of the eight and nine logo. Um, you know, we had woven labels, custom logos in the neck, like everything you had to do to assert yourself as making custom clothing is what we did in the beginning. Um, so that shirt is actually super important um, because it just, it's just a symbol of the approach that we took. Um, it didn't help us in the long run, but it's a cool story, you know. And with the Pakistan thing, pretty much like, the orders got kind of messed up. Like you had like, like you had like no, if no medium with one one style, you have a large one style with no extra large. Yeah, it, it was. Uh, we had pre-booked everything, so basically we took our catalogs and we went to the retailers and we were able to get meetings and you know have some dialogue to generate interest in the product. That turned into orders, and then we went to production basically to fulfill those orders with you know extras on top so that we could sell it online and, and make more money obviously um but we couldn't get the goods out of pakistan so as things came through i was getting incomplete styles i didn't have whole size runs so i wasn't able to fulfill you know any of the wholesale orders so um at that time i already knew that i was in the business for the long run i wasn't doing it just to you know make quick money um so i had to save face cancel all the orders as soon as i found out about the problems let the retailers free up their money and move on with other brands because um, in the fashion business, so it's, these, these retailers are buying well in advance. So you're buying three to four months in advance. You can only make as much money as you bring in product. So, you know, if I take $15,000 of product and don't deliver it to a store, that's not $15,000 anymore. That's $45,000. So when they're doing their budgeting, if I fail to deliver that $15,000, they're out of $45,000. Because when it lands, they're not talking about what they pay for it anymore. They're talking about what they're getting on the flip. So it was very important for us to, you know, kind of recognize that problem early. Um, cancel the order, save face, but it, it completely changed our strategy. It made us, um, you know, sell hand to hand and, and go a little bit more grassroots, direct to consumer, as they say now. We were doing pop up shops and, and D 2 C business, bro, in fucking 2001. Um, so it's just a different animal. The pop up shops working real good for you. They worked really well because it was uh, an extension of the other things we were already involved in. You know, just like music and art and. You know, kind of everything that defines the lifestyle, things you would do as, you know, marketing or advertising, we were already doing. So it was like, okay, well, how do we just show people this? Um, so we did the pop-up shops in uh, nightclubs where, you know, say we had a DJ or a promoter that was doing a Friday night, we would just bring an extra revenue opportunity to the club and take the, the venue during the day without making any money. Like, just, you know, bring me a busboy and a, and a bartender and we'll, we'll do the rest. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So we kept the cost really low for the for the venues. We gave them another look, and then we were able to kind of tie in what happened during the day for the pop up to the event at the night. It just worked out great. So, so we did a lot of that. Like an independent artist, like going out, they're doing their music when they first come out, and they just pop up at random venues and play this. Or 
in, in a way, we were we were fortunate that a lot of people that were around us were doing a lot of different things. So it's kind of just figuring out, you know, how we could give a better look to our friends, and then how we can, you know, get a look off of what they're doing. So really, just about cross promoting and, and co-branding, you know, at a very very early stage. I with the hip hop, hip hop artists, I know a lot of them probably they know from I see Diddy, the Locks. What's your relationship with, with those with those certain artists? Like, do they just, do they reach out to you, or do they just come out and just like, hey, look, I got you a few few shirts from from your brand? It depends. Um, when it comes to relationships, I think whether it's a DJ, a rapper, you know, a business partner, like our brand is very unique in the sense that everybody that's around us and everybody that we work with pretty much has the same core values. Um, we just gravitate towards a certain type of person and the artists that we're the closest with, you know, reflect our ideals and the way that we move. So like all three of the locks, we have an amazing relationship, uh, you know, personal relationship outside of business, you know. Um, and that's, again, because of being like-minded individuals, people that, you know, carry themselves a certain type of way and have the same principles, um, which is ultimately, you know, as a man and as you know, human beings, that's what's most important. So we tend to work with people that, you know, that we would want to have conversations with. Um, so when you see people that are close to us, they really do have a lot of similarities in their personalities and the, and the way they operate. Um, there's not very many, like, you know, just weirdos or foreigners around us. Cause yeah. It's not, it's just, it's not worth it. It's the, the same day. way with us, like, we, we could have a big, big group of people around us all the time, but if you're not on the same mind state, like we're all on the Right. Well, it was. Yeah. It was. It was. But then it, it just, nobody was on the same mind state. So they had to go. They, they had to go. So we it's not even that they had to go, they just themselves kind yeah. of well, weaned themselves off. showing up. Yeah. They wibbled away. Yeah. And I feel yeah. like you, you can't bring a thing to the table in which they believe it. Right. And that's the first thing, you know, not to segue too far, but a lot of people don't even think like that. It's like, where is your value? What are you adding to the operation? Right. Um, so, to back to the artists, you know, like the Locks or you know a Nori or an EFN from Train Champs or I mean, anybody um, that we work closely with, it's always that you know mutual benefit. Like, how can I help? What am I bringing to them? Um, and obviously, you know, we're not in the business of giving away clothes. Right. So for us, it's not like, oh, you like the clothes? Great. Well. Now what? Like, <laughs> Everybody so, knows. You know, and, and it's really true because with the retailers that, that we work with, uh, most of them carry, you know, high-end sneakers, you know, exclusive sneakers or have top-level Nike accounts. So you'll find something like a Diddy. You know, in one of the biggest looks he gave us, he bought that shirt. You know, uh, another huge look was Snoop did, like, a whole promo run with Airbnb from a bunch of clothes he bought from Tradition in the Beverly Center. So it's like, by having those... By being strategic with your distribution and picking the right retail partners, uh, you kind of get that organic seeding of the product, and now you're winning on both sides. Now you're getting a great look from a celebrity, right. but you're also, you know, getting the money. Right. So, uh, yeah, shout out all the retailers that have done things like that. You know, uh, Tradition was a big one for us in Souls Inc. on the beach, um, Simon's in Miami. Uh, the list goes long, but it's always about having, you know, that top store in each neighborhood carrying the product, because then, you know, even if it's not a famous person, you know, the, the hustlers, the people that are in the community, like, people that know what's up shop at the better stores. So, when they're wearing the clothes and they're paying for it, you're winning. I gotta know, man, is Lori really 
that crazy. Man. It's fucking crazy. <laughs> Listen to his podcast. He, he's know, more man. and more drunk every episode. Every it's like episode. one he's long episode. He's actually less drunk now, I feel like. I feel like he's really? doing better. If you watch like, the Currency episode, like early yeah. on episodes, like Nori was bent in the Currency episode. Yeah, was. Like, he was bent yeah. for real. Um, and we all were. I, I was bent too. Because I seen Nori get drunk. I was like, yo, hey. Whatever. It's just uh, everybody was drunk. Um, but that's just that's just the nature of the show, which is why it's so great. So yeah, he's pretty wild. Did, did they reach out to you for the sponsorship for the Um That actually was a little bit different. I had met Nori um, a couple years before through Jadakiss, mm-hmm. um, and I had met Kiss obviously through Styles. And then Kiss had called me one day like, "Yo, Nori's doing a video. He wants to come out of shop." All right, cool, come on. So obviously we showed love to him, you know, and he, you know, did the right thing with it, and we kind of built our relationship to the point where if he had something important to do, he would call me, which I respect because don't call me for fucking clothes when you're going to the grocery store. <laughs> Nobody gives a shit. Right. Like, if you got a video, please call me. I'll be more than happy to make sure that you're good for the video. Like, but that's just that mutual respect, you know? Um, so Nori was just moving like that, and EFN and I had, um, you know, mutual appreciation for each other, just having independent businesses in Miami. And uh, EFN and I had done some, you know, collaboration and partnership with his uh, group Mayday. Uh, super sick cats, and uh, we were really happy to support them and like anything that they wanted to do. Um, just culturally, like I think they look at their art as very similar to lead to the way that we look at ours. Um, and then we saw the first Drink Champs episode. I think Nas Peso and I and um, my boy Dion, and we were just like, "Yo, this Drink Champs shit is gonna be huge." And I think within like an hour of me like putting that and saying it, EFN was in my inbox like, "Yo, we gotta do something for Drink Champs," and I was like. Just was talking about you, um, but it, it, it goes to show you that um, there wasn't really like, with EFN and I, and even with Nori, it wasn't it wasn't really about how what can I get out of them or what can they get out of me in the beginning. It was just we had a mutual friend, we had mutual respect for each other, and because of that, we found different ways to support each other, and then it came full circle. And obviously, you know, yeah, you know, EFN hit me up to get some clothes for Drink Champs, but Eight and Nine is the home of Drink Champs, so. You know, Diddy, 50, all these episodes are done at the shop. So for them, the respect that they paid us and the moves that they made that were smart and, you know, loyal to us really put their show in a position to be what it is. Um, so it's a great example because they didn't come to me and say, hey, I need a venue. Uh, it just worked out that way because we have, like, a family relationship. We opened our doors to them, and, and they've obviously done a lot for us since. So it's been really good. That's, that's great that you can work with some people who don't want to yeah, but that's the thing. When you if you want something, you might get that. But then what? Right. Now the relationship's over. Right. That's why I've been working with EFN, for example, for years. Because so I didn't have a specific thing I needed to get from him. I want we built a relationship, and now that relationship carries right. on, and we find many other ways to work together. So even things that have nothing to do with anything, we find, and now new opportunities get presented because we didn't have a set goal, like something we were trying to achieve. And then ultimately that puts limits on it. Um, it's not exactly relevant, but one thing I always tell people is uh, zero times zero is always zero. And one of my biggest pet peeves in business is people don't want to talk to me about like money and complicating deals and all these type of things that money has never been made. And I believe there's a very simple formula which says if you're that concerned about it, you're constantly multiplying zero. And it sets motion for you to make zero. So, you know, um, zero times zero is always zero. That's something I think about in business very often. 
people are going to take the take that zero times zero. How long is it? Yeah. Yeah. Is it another factor that you bring to the table? Yes. What are you bringing to the table? The only thing I can think of that me and him is that brother, man, we've been through a lot, a lot of bullshit. It comes to this podcast. You want to think a lot of bullshit coming to the podcast? It's a lot of bullshit. It's a lot of bullshit. You trying to get your sound files fixed or what? What's going on, man? I don't know. What's going on? There's a lot of people trying to. Of course, it's because of territory. People do what you do. Yep. People want to try to finesse their way in. Yeah, no, finesse. finesse. Their way in. Yeah, That's yeah. another one. Finesse. Yeah, finesse. Fuck out of here. Finesse. What the fuck does it mean? I'm not from that era. We don't finesse. Yeah. We work our ass off. We yeah. hustle. We get. We you know we get back. We put in. Like that whole start. finesse and shit. I don't even relate to that period. Right. We started from literally ground zero. Wow. Yeah, I think we talked about doing it for a couple months before we. Before we did it, sat down to do the podcast. We talked about it. it was like, hey, you know, you should do it, man. You should do it. You should do it. Like, All right, uh, yeah, we're gonna do it. Procrastination. Mm-hmm. That's what we were procrastinating. That's one thing I can't talk about. Procrastinate. Do not procrastinate. You say you want to do something, there should be no reason why you can't. It's a hard thing for people to do because everybody has ideas, but ideas really don't mean shit at the end of the day. It's all about execution. And you can even go do it, but you got to do it well. You got to do it right. You gotta have a plan, but yeah, it's uh, definitely all about execution, as you guys know, because you're doing it. Right. Yeah, like I said, we start from ground zero. Um, we had a few people, and then, like you said, that was the only way. So really, it was just really me, him, and another one of our guys that was just But we're, we're gonna do a whole lot better without those people. A lot of those people are still set back, and a lot of set back. I think we're doing pretty good. We're here with you, man. That's a, that's a huge honor, man. I, I kept telling him, like, man, I, I can't believe that actually got this guy on the show. Really, man. It took, it took so long, man. I was like, man. Not because of us. <laughs> I really, I, I tried to find your shot, man. I couldn't find it. Yeah, don't look for it. Don't look for it? Nah, you're like three months late. I'm three months late? Yeah, you're three oh, months man. late. That location will be uh, closed in February. And we were there five years, and now something new is coming very soon. Is that a catching wave exclusive? Is that a catching wave exclusive? <laughs> <laughs> it won't be. All I can tell you is that we've talked about some of my friends, and some friends and I have a new project that's underway. Okay. So I can tell y'all right now. Okay. Y'all got no idea? Let's go to the shop. I was like, wait, they don't have no type of hotel town over here? Is it like, what? Is it a roll pass or what? Oh. Oh. <laughs> Oh, that's funny. I thought it was real. So you roll pass? Roll pass. Okay. Oh, at least I thought I did. Yeah. You saw the gates? Yeah. <laughs> I saw that. That was my spot, man. I loved that place. We were we were uh, really fortunate to have that place, you know, even with the leaky roof and all the other things. Um, we got to that, that complex, you know, five years ahead of the time. Um, we were actually on the property for six years, but we were in the same space for five, the one where we did drink champs. Um, and it was just a very different use than what we started with. In the very beginning, our warehouse was there, and then we outgrew that, there was just no space. So our warehouse is actually out west, you know, we got a big facility, um, and it was just, it had just become something different. And with the new lease term coming up of another five years, yeah, we're gonna do something different, so. That's coming together. No, it's coming together, though. I'll do a follow-up once it's over. Okay, okay, yeah. You can come in. You do a follow-up? Yeah, that's fine.
I said, yo, Figs. He said, what, man? I said, we're about to start a clothing line. He said, what? <laughs> I said, we're going to do a clothing line. I said, what you mean? I'm like, yo, fucking Macy's. Like, Sean John. That farm, bro. We're going to make a clothing line. He said, that sounds really hard. You came nah, in, I started in era. That's what he said. He said, that sounds really hard. I was like, well, bye then. I said, you started in an era where, like, Sean John and everything was really, really cool. Yeah, urban clothing brands doing hundreds of millions of dollars. He said, that's hard to do, you know? He said, he said, that sounds really hard. <laughs> I didn't hang up on him. I told him why it wasn't going to be that hard and why I was going to do it. And then he uh, wasn't really that receptive. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm but sure it was difficult, though, right? It was impossible. Like, yeah. It was impossible. So, uh, fuck, what was it? So he wasn't well, wrong? Is that your yeah, point? He, no, he's he wasn't fucking wrong. wrong but, like, what was one of the things that, like, I guess uh, kept you going, like, throughout, you know, the most difficult times, I guess. I've always been motivated by something very simple, which is providing jobs. Right. Like, some people operate from, like, a different place. Like, I, nobody ever told me I couldn't do anything before. Like, so it's so weird, I just, like, just fucking go do it. Like, what do you mean? Like, <laughs> so it's weird like, fix it. Yeah, that's going to be hard. I know it's going to be hard, but what the hell is that got to do anything? Everything's fucking hard. Like, it wasn't hard to be, you know, a competitive... I mean, it wasn't easy to be a competitive athlete. It wasn't easy to, for example, like not put no time into school, but still get A's and B's. Like, that wasn't easy. But I found my way to do it. I paid attention to class, so I didn't have to do homework. So when you're whacking off in the back, I'm fucking sitting there listening and paying attention. And now my brain remembers, and I go to school, and I take the test, and I do well. But I didn't have to pay attention in class. I mean, but I found a way to do it. So what was that moment of the figures like, oh, okay, yeah, this won't work? <laughs> I don't think ever. I think after, like, a couple months, I think he just knew that I wasn't joking and that I was really going to do it. And I think um, Figs know, knew me well enough at the time that when I told him I was going to do it, that I was going to do it. And he pretty much had two choices, like either get on board or hear about it later. So it took he him a little... Hear about it nah, later. he knew better than that. Um, so he didn't want to hear about it later. It took a little time and he was like, yo, let's do it. But obviously I wasn't sitting around waiting for Figs. I had made other moves and I, you know, I got partner involved and I made sure that I was building a team and then he was able to come in and fill a role that was kind of like left open for him, you know? Um, but he just caught up right in time. Was that worked out? Way? Naps was a little bit different because Naps actually chased me down. Naps had a, Naps had a, a you know, really well-known blog site that's been extremely supportive of like all Florida artists, especially South Florida artists. Um, and through that, he had, you know, a good name for himself. He was extremely well-respected, um, just in, like, hip-hop and media in Miami. Mm -hmm. um, and he was just hitting me up, you know, yo, how, how can I help? 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 Um, and after asking me how can I help for, like, two fucking years, I finally found a way for him to help. It was like, yo, I got you, Blair. Come on. I need this thing. And he came and did it. And then from there, he grew a little bit more. And even Naps, you know, um, we praise him so much. I've seen so many things about him that are positive, but... Naps put, Naps gave 
two or three people a full-time job before he got a full-time job. So you're not gonna find people like that. Like, you know, there was a certain time where we needed somebody to really go ham in the warehouse, and it should have been him, but he was like, yo, I need it to be my man. So I bring him, talk to him. And, you know, of course, because like my individuals always, you know, unite and prosper, um, his man had the same ideas that I have and that Naps and I shared together that we formed our friendship on, and uh, he fit right in. So he got his job, and uh, it took Naps a little while longer to get his. Yeah, I don't fuck with that period, like, on any level. I'm the type of person that I always put myself in other people's shoes. I always think about them, you know, and try to, you know, just be a person that can, like, understand what's going on without having to be told. Um, and Naps is one of those people also. So, of course, that's why he follows up with you. Because he's like, oh, the poor guy is out of town. He doesn't know what he's doing. How can I help? Uh, and he wants to, you know, he wants to help. Make sure you have a, an easy path to this interview. So He definitely helped that Because our conference room at our, our hotel was like, we're going to set up in there. He was like, well, the conference room was booked all day. And the person you need to talk to is not here until one day. I'm like, what? So I started calling. I called every hotel I could think of. All of them I said, same exact thing. So I hit Naps, I was like, oh, man, I said, this is about to look bad. Naps, man, I need your help, man. And he's <laughs> Yeah, while he's at his sister's wedding. At his sister's wedding, man. Right. So, man, shout yeah. out to Naps. Right, but even that, you know, so, you know, Naps hits up somebody else and says, yo, we need a place to go. And, you know, five of them get together and open up a restaurant for us. And it's like, the restaurant they open up for us is famous restaurant in Miami. And I'm like, we're not doing that. I'm not imposing on these people, like, then I'm gonna have to tell you guys you gotta spend $100 to do the podcast because we need to order chicken and rice. Like, I'm like, it's just not gonna work, you know? Uh, it would've saved you from eating Wingstop. Um, I don't even wanna get into the whole Wingstop but, situation. But so yeah. the people who said Wingstop was dope, nah. nah I didn't like that. You know they got Wingstop oh, in baby, Jacksonville? You know, you, they got Wingstop in Jacksonville. Yeah, I know, man. This is where Ross is at, man. Well, yeah. You gotta have the <laughs> so you think Ross is going in every day and no, we know he's not. checking? But he owns a lot of chains, so we like, should. Uh, he right. does. I think that's what, like 30 different schools in there? I can't speak on Rick Ross and Wingstop. I don't know the structure of the deal. I can't say. Oh. I would love to know if Rick Ross, <laughs> I, I would love to know if Rick Ross invested in Wingstop. I would love to know that. Yeah. Because there's a difference between having the foresight and the balls to put money up versus being at the right place at the right time with a marketing opportunity. And the best example of right place, right time on the market opportunity is always going to be 50 cent vitamin water. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it's, it's just a little bit different. It's, 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 so much off that right. But, it, you know, again, it's, it's fitness lifestyle. They call them. They say, yo, you'll be a great spokesperson. Coca-Cola's in Queens. You're from Queens. This is going to be amazing. We're going to give you 10%. And great. Time he worked out, he gets $400 million. But, you know, how much did 50 cent do to make vitamin water and make $4 million? <laughs> You know, so anyway, I fuck with the I fuck with the wing stop and the uh, and the thing that they're doing because it's important. Whatever the role is, it's important that people see entrepreneurs expanding and diversifying, um, and it's important that people in hip hop own because you can't be a fucking entertainer your whole life. It's just so whack. It's not even a fallback. It's just diversification. Like you spend your whole life entertaining people. What happens when you're tired? You want to take a day off? Well, now you're selling chicken wings to people that don't like them. 
I mean, <laughs> it's working though. Hey, I'm telling you, it and it sure as hell beats fucking rapping all day. Yeah. You don't have to be in there tossing the wings, but I ain't tossing the wings. I did that for a few years, bro. What if he does do that? If he did, I mean, like I once a once a week he goes to one of his stores. Bro, you know, bro, ain't talking. Just hangs out. Go there and order you a twenty piece. Yeah. Hey, great! Give me a twenty piece. I'm not tired of this yeah, shit. Yeah, I'm tired of this shit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm tired. I'm about to go away. Yeah. Oh. You gotta say it. All flats. Yeah, all flats. <laughs> <laughs> Never remember my wings. All flats. Uh, that's great though. But anyway, yeah, you didn't try to live in pepper, so I don't think it's really fair for you to judge. Uh, I don't know. Maybe it was just that particular spot. Like the lady was rude. That's unacceptable. It's, it's, it's just off. Oh, oh, I had to wait an hour for No. You serious? It's great. This is a true story? An hour? So the lady was rude, you waited an hour, and it wasn't popping. And it wasn't popping. Were your fries greasy? The fries were greasy. They were decent. They were decent. Okay, so the fries was alright. The fries were alright. Those are little soggy. Okay. They would, they would That's decent. also unacceptable. Yeah, the wings, I want to some hot wings, right? Okay. A little hot. No more colorful than they were hot. A little more red. So I'm like, okay. That's that, te- that's that Texas peak. Yeah. <laughs> it's a little Texas peak. So I'm like, you know what? I think he's about to be fired. He's a little fired. As soon as I got in the car, man, I'm like, yeah. Pop that bitch open. I was like, you wait an hour for takeout? Yeah. Have you been on Yelp yet? Have you been on Yelp? No. Do you DM Ross yet? We gotta do something. This is unacceptable. I love them. What is Rick Ross? They say they only have one cook. What the fuck? But the wings, the taste of the wings. So she told you that too? Yeah. That's what I'm telling you. That's an excuse. This is a lot of problems. We need a district manager. We need a district manager to call in. We need a district manager from Wingstop. I'll tell you. She did give us a free drink, though. A free drink for an hour wait. We got a free drink, a free spray. No, this is This is Came all the way here. You guys got heart. You got heart. This is dedication. This is real dedication. Everybody, like, you need to hit up. There was three places. Where oh, yeah. was Okay. Uh, <laughs> what is it, Tuesday? Fat Tuesday. Fat Tuesday. Wayne stop. Can I be honest with you? What's that? You might need new friends. I think so, man. I think you might need I new friends. Everybody on Facebook. You might. I, I, I might. Where Willie's all right, it's the experience. You get a frozen drink, you walk around, I give him a pass for that one. Fat Tuesdays. That's terrible. That Fat Tuesdays. Yeah, what the fuck is, is that? Fat even? Tuesdays is like senior frogs. <laughs> it's like that. She loves them with senior frogs. Yeah, but what you know, that? dude, it's like some shit that's only supposed to be like in Cancun in like 2001. You get a souvenir cup. A souvenir. They mix two frozen drinks at one time if you want. Oh, you can get a fucking brain freezer and uh, whatever else. I don't know what they have. Hey, like hey man, no. That was too touristy. See, the thing is, when you come to Miami, you gotta ask a local person, what do I do here? You don't ask a tourist, what do I do in Miami? Yeah, we just kind of. Yeah, but I know, but they just set you up on a tourist trap. That's why you waited an hour for wings. It's terrible. You could have been on the beach. We drove till we saw a Colombian flag yeah. and yeah. pulled over. That's the way to do it. What was it? What was it? What was it? Oh, you said that very well. You can't lose a pollo chopper cow. Especially the value rating is very high for a pollo chopper cow. It is definitely like Popeyes for Hispanic people. That's what I've been telling Figs too. Figs didn't listen to me. I told him from, from like 2003, I'm like, yo, just go home, 
and open a Pollo Tropical on East Tremont, and we're going to be rich. Just drop this Pollo Tropical in the Bronx, and everybody's going to be rich. But 15 years later, we still don't have a fucking chicken spot in the Bronx. Maybe you need to get together, man. I'm working on it, man. Maybe get it together. I'm working on it. Because that chicken and rice in the Bronx is going to work forever. <laughs> that that wing stuff not working. I'm going to leave wing stuff alone. You let them live. I don't know, man. That's, that, that's the next episode, man. The wing stop right. I'm going to do that. Come up for wings and they're not hot. What kind of shit is that? All right. Well, have you have you guys seen uh, Defiant Ones? I watched uh, I, I watched the Defiant first ones. full episode and a half. What'd you think? Did you watch it? You know what it is. All right. So it's basically like the story of Jimmy Iovine and uh, Dr. Dre, and it kind of just it parallels them. You know what I mean? And basically shows how they started, and it it goes a lot more in depth than a lot of other stuff I've watched on them, you know what I mean? Like, you find out that, like, Jimmy Iovine's first thing that he ever did was with, like, John Lennon. You fucking John like Lennon. That. The first thing like, he did was Sweet Floors. Yeah, Sweet Floors. <laughs> and he got fired from that three times. Yeah. And then... Got fired from Sweet Floors? Yeah. Three times, three times from three different studios. He didn't even sweep the floor right now. <laughs> he was having a hard time. He thought he was too cool, I think, is what happened. Yeah, and then he got called in on Easter, and he went, and it, it was John Lennon. And Yoko Ono, she was there. Saw yeah, both in the studio. Yeah, on Easter. Like, the dude didn't tell him, like, what for. He was just, like, come in, whatever, whatever. So was he already doing his the stuff he does? Was, that, was he already doing that? He had dabbled, right, as an engineer? Yeah, he did a little bit. Like, like, they were teaching him, you know what I mean? Oh. He was, like, an apprentice. And then... Uh, he was an engineer training him. Yeah, and then they called him. Yeah. His first session he ever recorded was with John Lennon. I think that's right. Don't fact check me. What was the quote his father said? Do you remember that? The quote that his father said? Yeah, it was a really good quote from Jimmy Iovine's father. No, I don't remember. He said something to the effect of, like, he was telling, Jimmy said his pops used to tell them all the time. He said that something about, basically, when you go into a room. Mm -hmm. Oh, make yourself valuable to people. I think it's something, not necessarily value, like, no that you have the most value in the room. And that you're there for like that. a reason and yeah. you bring something. Like you belong in the room. Yeah, so no you, matter what room you're yeah. in, you belong there. It was like, and it's a better way to say it, but anybody that's watching, check out that Defiant Ones and take a note on the... Uh, it's four episodes. It's on that really quote, good. it's really good. I don't know, I ain't been watching nothing. I've been watching a lot of albums. Big in power. It's impossible for me to be, be big into power. The thing I liked about the first episode that got me hooked is like, the same thing about Defiant Ones doesn't get there for me either. Yeah. But it's like nothing better than a movie or anything you watch that makes you want to go do that. Like Karate Kid, you want to go fucking karate somebody. <laughs> um, you know, it's just, so like, you know, like Get Rich or Die Trying. You want to get yeah. some money no matter what. Oh, yeah. Even like I'm not an Eminem fan at all. But like 8 Mile, like, I wanted to be something. I, didn't want, I just wanted to go make it. Yeah. Like just go be fucking great. Like beat the odds and... Uh, you know, it's like when, when something does that for you, it's great. It. Power made me want to get to the packs after the first episode. <laughs> but now it's, it's just make different you stay now. Away from the packs. Now. Yeah, that's what they do. Yeah, now, yeah. yeah. I want to be ghosted. Nah, but it packs wasn't his problem anyway. That was never his problem. Nah. It's all the love scenes that fucked him up. Angela's <laughs> fucked him up. I'm telling you, but there's a love scene. Too many love scenes, man. Hey, man, they had a picture that said, which person should go? A, B, C. A, B, C, or D. That was all Angela. And then she got it. Nah, the best shit I've seen on social media all week was like, uh, this was last week actually. It was like, just a simple thing. Good morning, everybody. 
except for Angela. Like, <laughs> just a simple thing, but Everybody's it's like, so good. Fuck her. But Goldstein's really responsible anyway, so. Yeah. Now, now, how do you feel about the, this Conor McGregor Mayweather shit? I feel like Conor McGregor's gone way too far with a lot of things that he said. Definitely. Um, the same boy period is just completely unacceptable. I, I've thought about it a lot, and I don't want to give him the benefit of the doubt by being Irish. Yeah. I also don't think that any of Floyd Mayweather's fucking historical shenanigans should be exclu- excused because now Conor McGregor is showing out. Like, they're equally ignorant. However, it goes to show you about America and boxing. Like, we live in such a spectacle-oriented world that they scheduled four different days for these two people to make a spectacle? I heard they're sharing a jet. Yeah. Of course. I heard yeah. they're sharing a jet. Come on, man. Of course. They're yeah, not going to double up on the private. Just get on the plane. That shit's crazy. They ain't mad at each other. Yeah, yeah I don't believe they are. It's a spectacle. They're out there to create a spectacle. Conor McGregor is from the slums. It looks like WWE. It looks like WWE with Trump. <laughs> it's bad. So you know you can't. And it's not like you know Connor's not going on stage, just talking all that shit. Yeah. These fools have rehearsals. This is huge. So like, Floyd knows that Connor's gonna be slapping his ass. Like, they're very well aware of what's gonna happen. Because if not, you'd be so mad. You can't have the eye of the tiger, and somebody comes slap ass and you don't snuff them. <laughs> like he expected, he knew it was gonna happen, so he, he tolerates it, you know? Right. It just goes to show you this shit is fucking pure shenanigans. Yeah. But Conor McGregor, he's the underdog, and I'm always gonna rock with the underdog. So I hope he gets his big payday, and I hope he does something good with it. Like, right. takes care of his wife and his kid and builds a new business. He's definitely getting a big payday regardless. Even if they cancel the shit, he's definitely getting paid. Yeah, and he earned it. Look how fast he did this. This yeah. is like three years we're talking about. Like, I don't know how many years, three, four years maybe? From being a name nobody talked about to now being the, so big, he's bigger than MMA to the point where he has to now go fight Floyd Mayweather. Yeah. I mean, if, me, honestly, I feel that people who say that McGregor's gonna knock Mayweather out, you know, whatever. So I'm like, so you say McGregor's a better fighter than Pacquiao? I just don't, no, you can't say that. And I don't know that much about boxing, but I know enough to know that I watch Floyd Mayweather and it's fucking boring because he's dancing everywhere. He's, you can't hit him. So you think of all these people, Conor McGregor gonna come come knock him out? I don't see it happening. Floyd gonna do the same shit he does all the time. He gonna dance around, he gonna laugh. And that's pretty much it. And McGregor's eventually gonna get pissed off and catch some fines for doing something accidental. It's something. He can't, he's, his instincts, those muscle memory. You know, at some point, Floyd does something, you wanna kick him in the face. Something's gonna happen. Get $100 for the pay-per-view, man. That's not bad. I spent that on the Pacquiao fight. That was the most boring shit ever. But that's what I'm saying. So for $100, you know exactly what you're going to get yeah. this time. Not you're not, but you're not going to think it's going to be like a, this ain't going to be whatever, uh, like with two of the Mexican dudes. Like, uh, you know what I mean? Like, no, yeah, it's not going to be like a fucking brawl that you're like, yo, this is worth every penny. <laughs> it's going to be some sucker shit, but it's going to be entertaining. Be, that's worth it. You know? I don't watch that. I don't watch But that's some like, that's man shit. That's like blood sport type of shit. This is not going to be that. I, I see a picture on uh, Facebook. I guess it just happened recently. A UFC fighter, MMA fighter, got punched in the forehead, man. Not the hole in his head. You see that An actual hole? An actual hole in his head. Yo, fight, man. It's too bad. Like, who the fuck is some cranial crack open like a hole in his head? Like, like through the bone type thing? Oh. 
that's rough. I don't even want to see shit like that. No, nah, I don't oh, That's the one that was breaking balls. Oh, legs. Oh, uh, uh, you, you didn't want to cry, man. That didn't, how, did that, how did that actually feel? Like, the feel of breaking something? I played hockey, so. So you're probably used to Yeah, like I played, you know, I played hockey in Massachusetts in prep school league, you know, one of the best probably two leagues in the country, and I played my whole junior year with a broken collarbone. So I have multiple shoulder surgeries. I've broke, I think, all except for one knuckle not playing hockey. Uh, so doing hockey-ish things, um, you know? Um, so, yeah, I've, I have a very high threshold of pain, but I am allergic to morphine. So when I broke my arm in half, it was... Um, you allergic to morphine? Yeah, and, it, and it's just weird. It's like a... It's like a it's like a trip you don't want to be on. Yeah. Like, That's like unfortunate. it's just weird. It's totally it weird. Um, so anyway, I, I, but when I did it, it was this end was on top of this end. Like a swan. So it's like the weirdest thing. Exactly. That's how I feel about it too. I'm like, ugh. And it was just weird. Like that whole situation was was whack. But thankfully as an adult, um, I've uh, I've given up some of those crazy things and I've stayed injury free. That's the goal, man. Imagine you break your leg right now. You're a grown ass man. You break your leg. Yeah. I'm telling you. Terrible. Oh man, I don't want to do that. Oh. Hell man. Nah, don't bring yeah. that. Yeah, just be safe, Trey. That's it. Just be safe. Nah, yeah, man. That's why I just stay in the bed, man. Just be careful how you talk about Wingstop. Yeah. Next thing you get Nancy Kerrigan. Nah, man. Hell oh, shit. Nah, I don't want me to know. I don't want no time your heart is coming at me, man. Fuck a Wingstop like that. But I know you know you're into the hip hop stuff, the hip hop scene. Who's the top five right now? Right now in music? Right now? Well, not right now. Who's your top five? In life or right now? Just in general. I mean, my favorite rapper of all time has always been Cormega. Um, That's very random. Yeah, that's that's probably the most random one ever. Which is weird because we're friends now. So it's kind of weird to say that. You know what I mean? It's a little bit weird. Um, Jeff Cormega. But I've always said since I was a kid, I don't, I don't like musicians that I don't want to have a conversation with. Right. You know when they ask you if you could have a conversation with any person in the world, who would it be? Mm-hmm. I feel like my favorite rappers or my favorite musicians have always been one of those people. Because it's about songwriting at the end of the day. It's about, you know, kind of hearing a story. And Mega um, is one of those people that, you know, like Nori said, in, you know, 19 whatever, 1990, Cormega was only white per- uh, only black person living in an all-white golf country club high-rise, you know, like in 1990. And when you listen to him talk, you can hear the authenticity, but the balance and the way he tells a story, it doesn't glorify those things because there, there is no glory without pain. So when you hear him talk, when you hear his music, it's always going to be the full picture. So yeah, we had a couple nights when we were in the club and things were cool. But then this happened in between. I lost two homies. My mom got sick, and you kind of see the full picture, which is something that I relate to. So, Mega's always my favorite artist. Um, Prodigy, you know, um, and Prodigy's my favorite. Prodigy's like in my top ten twice because there's two Prodigies. I met him a few times. This is interesting guy. You know what I'm saying? What um, are the two like? Like the perfect example though. Prodigy, I love him as an artist, but like. Prodigy and I couldn't be friends. Him and I are just too different. I you know, it's just two different people. He did smell just a very different person. A certain type of energy. Um, and I understand not, you know, from knowing his friends and kind of, you know, I get it, you know, but we're different. 
um, but it doesn't take nothing away from him in my rank as an artist. Um, and I put him in the top 10 twice because he was two different rappers. He had two different voices. So he was first prodigy, and then there was that kind of the Quiet Storm prodigy. And the the pitch and everything is just different. Um, That's true. Totally different. When they first um, came out here, high, high yep. pitch. A lot. His yep. rapping style was a lot faster. Yeah. Still off beat, but it's still off beat. But like when he came there, they said Quiet Storm was more methodical. Yeah, but I mean, so yeah, Mega. Um, of course, it's like. I love styles, you know, yeah, as a person, musically, but like, I love Jada Kiss too, yeah. you know. It's I love Ghostface, like but styles I really like Raekwon. Some of the best like features, you know what I mean? It's crazy that he's uh, on the BMF song because that was like one of the yeah. first like trap yeah. songs that got big, and it's crazy that like a New York dude was featured on that, you know, like. And it, it would have to be Styles P. You know? Yeah, Styles brings the same thing to every record, though. Like, it's just, you get yeah, what you absolutely. get. Yeah. Don't fuck around. You might yeah, catch this Hulk. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, you she got the Hulk a lot, too, but you might catch the Hulk. Um, she doesn't get talked about. Sheik's just different. But he's like, he's like, Sheik is one of the nicest people I've ever met in my whole life. Like, a nice fucking guy. I wouldn't say it's like a big teddy bear. He's not a teddy bear. Like, you know he'll punch your face off, you know? And I think I might have met him, actually. Like, he might have actually been doing dips in the D-Block studio when I met him. It's possible that that's, like, actually how I met him. I don't know if that was the first time or second time, but I definitely saw Sheik doing fucking dips in the D-Block studio. It was wild. (laughs) It was was awesome. I mean, what else would you expect? Um, But, yeah, so, uh, I mean, top five, you know, historically, I've always, like, you know, Queensbridge artists or artists that had like a connection to Queens. Absolutely. Even AZ, who is from Brooklyn, but AZ still had that vibe. Awesome. But again, AZ, you know, he's also a very different guy. Yeah. Um, so he's, I personally, you know, think he's in the place he's in because of himself. You know, and at the end of the day, you got to spread love to get love. And I actually don't even really care for that album so much as much as like the other ones. Like the nine lives and the Asiatic and like Sugar Hill's cool, but it's just it, that old style that's like it's just a, a little it's just a little bit before like the time that I really loved. You know, like the Havoc era, man. You know? That's that's really the for me that's that's really the thing. Um but yeah, I mean it's a, it's a great album, man. You can't you can't take it away from it. But now, me there's only a few artists that I'm really like, yo, I love this dude. Nipsey House is the first one. That's You know? And Nipsey's a perfect example, too, because I don't care if I ever even listen to Nipsey's music. I fuck with his whole energy as a man, as an entrepreneur. So you know, as a, yeah, which he's had that forever. Um, and that's actually totally worth watching. Yeah. Uh, all, anything to do with the marathon, yeah. anything Nipsey does is worth watching, period. Because yeah. you're always going to get just the reality of the short one. He also doesn't glorify anything. You know, like when you've lost enough people and you've put in enough work, you get to a place where you're just kind of like, let's, you know, mellow out about this. Um, and Nipsey's the man. And musically, I really like Dave East. I think Dave East kind of has, uh, you know, just, he's kind of got that old soul vibe. I mean, obviously. Is he from Harlem? He's from Harlem, yeah. I mean, he's from Harlem, but he doesn't necessarily, I, I don't feel like he moves like a typical, like, Harlem person in terms of being, like, very flashy and just eccentric. I think he's just got kind of a humble, blue-collar New York mentality um, that I like a lot. So, 
Nipsey and Davies, that's who I fuck with right now. And then a bunch of the same people I've been listening to forever. I'm a big currency guy. Yeah, I like currency, but currency flow is too lazy for me. I can't yeah, do it. Everybody I'm out of here. I need money. I got to go. Like, <laughs> like, I don't have time to be just... For that, I'm going to listen to, like, I don't know. I haven't really listened to a lot of that. I really listen to like I said, Nipsey. I love, I love Yeah. Yep. That's the man right there. Uh, that, his, his old hustle is just... Yeah, honestly, you know, his friendship, I think, with Ryan Leslie, I'm an outsider, I don't know them, but um, it seems like his friendship with Ryan Leslie has really uh, kind of tapped into the best part of his potential and brought it out in a more professional way. Um, I think Nipsey always had that business acumen and, the, you know, the desire to, like, achieve and, like, you know, overcome what is, like, around him, so to speak. Um, but he's, he's Eritrean or he's Ethiopian? Is that? Nipsey. What about him? He's, I think he's from Eritrea or he's Eritrean or he's Ethiopian. He's not American. His mind frame is not American. So it, it explains a lot about why he operates the way he does because he's not like, his mentality is not conditioned to be limited by his environment. So I think it's, you know, for whatever it's worth, I think that's, that's a big part of the way he uh, looks at things and the way he looks at things is the reason he's successful. We need more Nipsey hustles everywhere. everywhere. And we need more Nipsey hustles getting, you know, getting shine and getting retweets and getting reposts. And people have choices, you know, you're gonna repost Nipsey talking about his story and opening his store and getting money and the fact that his friends are now not going to jail, or you're gonna repost World Star fights. We're responsible for that. So yeah. All right. and the first thing we're talking about is, you know, we gotta stick together and yada yada yada. But then we're all posting us beating each other up, shooting at each other. And it's hard because it's entertainment. So as humans and as Americans, like we have yeah. tough lives, we work too much, we're you know overextended in so many different ways that you want that escape. But now our ability to spread that negativity is just it's too easy and it goes too fast. These things um, right here, man, these these phones, the internet is it's worse than the TV. It is worse than the TV because it's, it's interactive. Yeah. It's interactive, but it's also it's fucking immediate. connected to you. Yeah, it's immediate. So bad. Did, uh, there's actually something that's definitely worth watching, which I think is, it might be, it's Anderson Cooper, I think. It might be 60 Minutes. Anderson Cooper's the man, too, on some non-hip-hop shit. Anderson Cooper's the man. Um, but it talks about how Silicon Valley is just hacking your brain. So you could just, it's, it's, I think it's 60 minutes brain hacking. It's uh -huh. like 45 minutes long, but it's a super interesting watch. Um, and it just shows you how the programmers are just programming us. Like Instagram, for example, they don't load your likes in real time. They're doled out. Yeah. You get 100 likes in one second, Instagram gives you 10 likes every five minutes. Because yeah. it's like a lottery. You got to look at your phone, or oh, what did I get right now? What am I, what, like, it's wins. So even that, like how they yeah. control the dispersion of your likes. Like, dude, just give me my fucking likes. I want to see, I got 100 right now. I have to open my phone for 10 more minutes. If, but if you keep giving me 10 likes every 10 minutes, I got to keep opening my phone all the time. Me, fortunately, I don't check my phone for likes, but, like, I don't, like, have to refresh my feed because right. I'm not so tied into, like, what I consume. And I also don't follow, I don't follow anything that's, like, trash or, like, spur of the moment. So, like, my feed, in a way, is almost as good a day after as it is in the moment. Because it's a lot of relevant news and like, 
they're following National Geographic and all their photographers. Like, a fucking cool lion in the snow is cool every day, you know? Um, I, I, not a lion. Lions don't go in the snow like a mountain lion or a bobcat or whatever. Um, but yeah, that shit's lit. NASA's lit. Definitely. All that. Oh, my boy Chuck, he tried to get me on that National Geographic. It was shit. Get over That you sleep, you gotta watch on it. I watched a, I watched a fish the other day, fucking dying on the dock, and a dog comes and is splashing water on the fish, oh, trying yeah, to save I've this seen fucking that fish. Too, actually, yeah, I've seen that. It's ill to me. That's way cooler than World Star fights. That does have a lot of dog trying to save the fish. Come on, like <laughs> way cooler than World Star fights. I'm telling you. I'm about to check it out. But check the one about brain hacking. It's, that's 60 minutes on brain hacking. Brain hacking. Uh, it takes a little while, and it's so like the point is you got to be in the right mental place to like watch it. Don't watch the brain hacking video when you're in world star fight mode. <laughs> like watch it when you want to sit down and be kind of intellectual for a minute. And yeah, you know, because you gotta like you gotta listen to it. It's real shit because it's gonna make you think about all the decisions and the behaviors that you have and how conditioned you are. And then you're gonna start to think about how do you break it. Then you're gonna see that you can't because <laughs> you trained. So it's gonna uh, kind of open up a Pandora's box, but it's a, it's a good thing to look at. And I now am very conscious, like, oh yeah, you'll be over here for five minutes. You know, like, just stay with it. This thing is hard to get away from. It really is. It really is. Man. I'm about to check this shit out. I've been watching a lot of Moana and Frozen and Madonna. She has the TV. Every TV in the house has her TV. Frozen. Yeah. Penguins everywhere. Then so you halfway to National Geographic. You're almost there. Why would you see the sea, bro? They don't have no penguins over there, right? Yeah. In Miami? Yeah. Poor penguins. That's why they protesting. That's <laughs> <laughs> what I can tell you. It, it was crazy. Like, the more they protest, the more people turn it in. Oh, man. When you go in there, you like, I kind of, I kind of sympathize with them a little bit. But you went anyway? Yeah, I took and you pictures and everything, bro. You should have took pictures of the protesters. Absolutely. And that would be disrespectful. We could have read off their signs on the show, you know what I mean? Some kind of shit they write. I didn't see it because I already know. I, was I, was, I cried at Free Willy. Oh, like, man. <laughs> yo, I'm telling you, I don't. <laughs> That's not serious, by the way. I, I had a tear in the corner of my eye. It didn't drop. It wasn't an actual cry. I'm telling you. This is the human experience, man. That's a one. Yeah, I didn't see it. That shit would have just pissed me off, I think, so I didn't watch it. Yeah. I, after a while, you got to look at that movie, like, at the Dolphins and shit. Like, damn, man, y'all are prisoners in there. Yeah. Smart as fuck, too. They are, yeah, they're yeah. smart. Yo, speaking of Dolphins, I saw a fucking Dolphin save a dog. I'm talking about sea life and dogs. <laughs> Bro, I, Instagram, I saw a fucking dog drown in the middle of the ocean. It fell off its people's boat. You know, like, in the middle of the ocean is a boat. A fucking dolphin came and, the, bro, in the video, the dog, a golden retriever, is standing on the back of a fucking dolphin, getting driven to his boat, and the dog is soaking wet, like, it was, like, hyperventilating, it was about to die for real, and the dolphin came and, and put him right up on the boat. The dog jumped off the boat, the owner was looking like, and recorded all this shit. Son, the craziest shit I ever saw. <laughs> it was so crazy. Really? See, this is the type of shit I'm interested in. Yeah. Who wants to watch a fight where you can see a dolphin save a dog? Or how about a sea lion escaping an orca? This is real nature. That's underdog shit at its finest. A 
fuck with that head. I'm not going to another planet. I've seen videos of orcas <laughs> throwing seals through the air. <laughs> I don't believe that either, though. I don't believe that either because I'm, I'm like, I'm a regular civilian. I don't know shit about hunting or gathering. I know about. I don't even go to Publix. I go to Instacart now. Like they deliver my fucking groceries. But, they don't even go to Publix. Nah, I can't. I don't have time for that. I don't have time for that. <laughs> I go only for my fresh vegetables. The rest of my groceries is either from online or on demand with the delivery service. And I price check everything, so I'm getting the best deals. You know? This shit is taking um, over, man. I'm telling you, I don't even have to do it. But these whales, these are instinctive creatures. If I get dropped in the woods, I'm going to hunt and I'm going to find some food. And I'm going to be just fine because my instincts are going to take over. But I'm truly a domesticated human. Like, I'm, I live in a fucking high rise. But for crying out loud, you know, like I have like I have lotion for my face and one for my arms. Like, <laughs> you know, like if you put me in the environment to where I have to do something different to thrive, I'm going to do it. Period. So the same way the whale, like their instincts are way more home than mine. So I don't think I'm buying it. The whale was born in captivity, so now it's trained to be captive. I think that if you let it out, it might catch some scars and a few bruises. But the strongest are gonna survive. A couple might die, but a hundred, a hundred whales that was born in captivity to go into the ocean, a hundred ain't gonna die. Sorry. They just gotta not run into sharks right away. Right, you gotta give it a little time. More like a baby shark. Yeah, a like baby shark catches a baby small, shark. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, I have an idea of the concept, but I couldn't tell you in two sentences what is Darwinism or use it as smoothly as you did. Don't let Conor McGregor say that. Yeah. Yeah, don't let him. Don't let him hear. Conor, you listen to this podcast if you did. If you do, don't use this. How about civilization? <laughs> but Connor needs to adapt to the racial tensions of America. <laughs> Seriously. Hold on, say that again? I said Connor needs to adapt to the racial oh, right, tensions of America. He's Irish. <laughs> yeah. He probably doesn't know all these yeah, things, even though I'm Irish sure. people are notoriously racist. But, yeah. Which is actually even amazing, too. But <laughs> even that, like, Irish people, Cubans are the worst, but Irish people in America, they had it fucked up. They did. I'm from a city that is all immigrants, and it changes over and over and over. You know, from an Irish to Italians to Puerto Ricans, Dominicans. Like it's just, it, oh, it's the next and the next and the next. You just bring the next immigrants. That's how the whole city was. But Irish people had it fucked up. So when you talk about racial tensions in America, it's interesting how like even in that they want to make it some black versus Irish racism shit. But the commonalities in what the Irish experiences in America and the black experience, there are many. And of course, it's not going to be identical, but many Irish people came as indentured servants. 
which of course is a step up from being a fucking slave where, you know, nine out of 10 slaves didn't even make it to America. Very, very big difference, but there's a commonality there. And even with the black American experience and Asian people, you know, like you go in the hood, like Asian people own everything, black Americans is there as customers, you know? So, and them, Asian people came, they built the fucking railroad. The first drug law is the Opium Act to make Asian people non-competitive in the workforce. So like, there's, there is a lot of similarities there, which is interesting. I mean, maybe that'll come up next with this McGregor shenanigans, but a lot of similarities, but now people don't really want to talk about that type of stuff. They don't, they don't want to take the time to to understand the next person. Actually, I think it was um, Heineken, matter of fact, just did a sick-ass commercial this year, um, maybe two, three months back, where they put, they had questionnaires of like participants, and they took a dude that hates gay people and put him at a table with a like a transgender, like lesbian feminist or something. Super gay. Like just whatever, like the worst, like yeah. the worst thing he hates. Yeah. And they did like ten of those, and they had so they put them all in a room, like but individually, but they time lapsed it. So you got, you know, stereotype one that hates stereotype two. They're together talking, and you're stuck with somebody. So what are you gonna do? You talk with them, you build. So at the end of like five minutes of them talking, they were basically like, okay, well, that dude's gay and this dude's a racist. So. You guys have two choices. You can either tell each other to fuck off and part ways, or you could drink a Heineken and keep talking. And it was ill. It was like a seven-minute commercial. But everybody fucking stayed and drank the Heineken. Because, you know, once you kind of have that common experience with somebody, like, of being in the room, even something so simple, you kind of talk and build. And it was wild to watch this really, really good, like, in terms of another thing that's positive on social media. But, yeah, the Heineken diversity commercial is, is really dope. And they all drank their beers and they all were like, you know, the worst of the worst were kind of ashamed because even one dude was like, I don't like no butches, like to the lesbian, you know, or whatever, you know, whatever he said, you know, but so it was terrible, but was this televised? it was, I saw it online. I just, I don't know if it was televised or whatever, because it was long to be a commercial, um, you know, six or seven minute video, it's not a traditional commercial by any means, um, but you could have taken one and just had the highlights of the most ignorant shit the guy said to the person that was those things. Yeah. It was a little touchy, but um, it was really cool. It was a great watch. I'm going to Yeah, that's easy. Fine. Just play Heineken Diversity or something like that. Um, that'll come up quick. We had a lot of crazy conversations. This guy, man. From late night to saving dolphins, saving dogs. That was good. It's going to give people something to listen to. Yeah, man. That's why I said that. Dude, the dolphin saved the fucking dog. Who, who, who doesn't want to see it? Who doesn't want to see it? Who doesn't want to see a dolphin see it? I didn't think about it, you know. I, I wouldn't imagine nothing like that. But now I feel bad as fuck for those dolphins. They're prisoners. What about those pollos? 20 piece wings? That's like, that's 10 birds. That's, and he's, that's and 10 said, chickens right and there. And he said it in Spanish food. Tell I it wasn't nuggets. <laughs> if it was 20 nuggets, it's like 300 chickens. Yeah. Yeah, like, <laughs> it's just all the way fucked up. Like, I, Ross, man, you gotta get them together, man. I'm really salty about this shit. About the wings or the dolphins? About the wings, man. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
got two jobs, man. They said cook the chicken, cook the fries. And they're both fried, so it's really one job. You gotta season the, you gotta season the chicken. Too. But, but what tripped me out, dude, there was another dude with us, you know, another dude that was behind us. So they asked him, like, you know, what's your name or whatever? Just told him the name. Then another guy came in, he was like, well, how long want to pick your wings out there? One of the guys who was cooking came was like, well, I just dropped 300 wings. 300 wings? And what variety are you dropping this shit? Well, they might have a giant fryer, bro. You know, three hundred wings. Maybe the whole middle of the kitchen is just a frying bowl. You know, a swimming pool they, they just a grease pool? throw it in there. <laughs> a grease pool, yeah. Three hundred is a lot. That's a lot of fucking. But it's not enough. It's not obviously. It's not a wait an hour. It's not hashtag not a selfie. That's the new ass So who wins? Who wins? Truth be told. Publix or Wingstop? Publix. Hell yeah, right? Publix. All day, right? Yeah. Publix all day. Yeah. Publix fried chicken is certified? Yeah. Certified. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I don't argue. I'm yeah. not going to argue. The, the bread really? will break the teeth. Really? So the non-breaded, the hot wings from Publix, that's what you like? I'll eat them more. Yeah. Than yeah. Wingstop. I ain't managing. I, 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 I check believe. every time I go. Every time I go, I, the Hawaiian I smell rolls, every are you time. Kidding me? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, the Hawaiian rolls, they love that yeah. shit. That's a fact. Hawaiian rolls with the they're not, they're not colorful red wings. They're I don't understand what the significant. Detroit red wings. But <laughs> 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 why does it matter that they're colorful? Because hot sauce is not supposed to be it's red. It's too colorful. It's, it's not there. It's just that if it's, if it's red, I expect it to motherfucker. It's like when the oil is in water and there's purple yeah. and green. I guess yeah, that's true. Yeah. I ate a naked wing that was colored red. Colored red? That's not good. It was food color. That's not good. Oh, maybe it was like a dry rub, you know? No. You know it's not. It's not black this season. It was fucking could have been paprika, you know what I mean? Like the paprika. <laughs> paprika, you need that. That's the color, man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If you, it needs to be in all. Mystery all of salt, your bread dude. needs Mystery to be paprika and cayenne. Go back to Wingstop after this and say, look. I'm not going back to Wingstop. <laughs> You're not going back to Wingstop? You have to go. You have to tell the world about your experience. This is very important. It's 2017. You have to tell people. You got to go on Yelp. You got to get a profile. <laughs> Ross might give us a gift card. You got to get the man. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you gotta get the, yeah. The manager can't call you back. No, she already told you. Wasn't she the one that told you, sorry, we only got one chef? Yeah, she told you to fuck <laughs> off. We got one she person She blamed the scheduling manager. <laughs> Could he spell the name right on the phone? How'd they spell Dre? She used to the You know, she used her name. She put Millie. Spelled M-I-L-L-E. That's mild, motherfucker. First of all, that's fucking mild. She had tattoos all the way. A beard tattoo? A beard tattoo? It was close to it. Yeah, it was like. That's pretty cool. How do you feel about that? <laughs> so, this is really interesting. So, I'm going to take over the podcast. So, this is, this is really interesting, though, because face tattoos, you talk about being non competitive in the workforce. So, do you feel okay getting your chicken with somebody with a face tattoo? Or many face tattoos? I feel like as, as long as there's not room for another face tattoo, I'm okay with giving them money. Because they're not going to do it again. It doesn't mean you're not a hard worker. Anybody who handles your food has to be professional. 
Clean. 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 Waiting. I worked in restaurants, so you can't tell me nothing. Yeah, I did too. I grew up in restaurants. So there's a difference because if you're if you're forward facing, if you're consumer facing. Because there is an obvious difference between the guy that's in the kitchen and the person that's taking your order. So would you rather have the person taking your order with multiple face tattoos or the person in the kitchen? Mm. Let's get to the root of this. Person in the kitchen, because he's got some soul, so he can probably cook. Yeah, he knows not to drop. Yeah. That's good, though. See, me, I'm worried about these kids because they all have face tattoos. And the thing is, is about the generation that we from, you start filling in tattoos usually when you're young in places that people don't see it because you're trying to hide the first ones from your parents, you hide it from your teachers. What These kids now, they do it the opposite. Police is good people to hide tattoos from too. But now they do it the opposite. They start with their wrists. Or you yeah. see people that have neck tattoos, but their chest ain't done. How the fuck you got a neck piece, but you haven't even done your chest? You do your neck when you're out of space. So when now they got the social media profile tattoos. That's how you see the tattoo culture has changed because it's about what you can see in your social media profile. So the neck tattoo don't even cut it anymore. You gotta get the face tap, bro. Fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> remember, how, remember how crazy Tyson was when he got that yeah, fucking yeah, travel yeah, face? Yeah. That was the only person. But he was so crazy. He was so crazy. We knew it. We heard everything he said that made him crazy. You believed him. Yeah. Think about but it. we were still it. surprised. <laughs> we were still surprised. Like, holy uh, shit, crazy young, Mike got a so face tattoo. I was just like, this dude kind of weird. Dude, we were like, shocked. <laughs> I was shocked. I was like, holy fuck, Mike Tyson got a face tattoo. This crazy <laughs> motherfucker. Crazy than I heard I heard his Vegas show is actually amazing. Tyson's. That's another story. Yeah, he's got a cartoon on Adult Swim, but then he's got like a yeah, but then he's also got like a storytelling show in Vegas where he just sits on stage and tells stories. Oh, I would definitely watch. I don't think it was ever filmed. Maybe. I know he's doing a podcast with Peter Rosenberg now, too. That's going to be fun. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have too much positive to say about those two guys. Really? I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm so involved in Drink Champs that when it comes to hip-hop podcasts, I really don't have time for anything else. else. And I also don't really have a lot of time in my life for entertainment. I like to pick up different pieces of knowledge, and I like to listen to things that challenge my way of thinking. And... Saying, like, I want to fucking listen to DJ Academics doesn't do it for you. He doesn't challenge. Some people, <laughs> some people are made for the internet, and it needs to be on the internet. Like Nori needs to be on the internet. Nori can be like anywhere, like because Nori is real life. He's gonna be the same way on Instagram or on YouTube. Out a window. <laughs> but that's him. And if you look at all yeah, Nori's relationships, <laughs> they fuck with Nori because he is Nori, yeah. and the name Nori encapsulates his whole personality. He was the fucking Pollo Rican or fucking El Pollo Loco or, or whatever, but that's how he is in real life. You know, academics, I mean, yeah. There's no comparison. I don't, I don't There's see no comparison. much about it because he's like, he's like, how's your whole fucking life reposting Worldstar? 
you know, he, like, he's a that's, that's a different way to live. But when I saw the Joe Budden situation with the Migos, mm-hmm. that was his fault. And that was the first time I ever saw him, honestly, that I knew it was like DJ Academics and I'm like watching him. That was the first time I had that experience. It was, of course, it was his fault. Speaking of his that's, his that's fault. my he new favorite meme he where he's mad like... At Migos ass. Joe Budden wasn't mad at the Migos when he got up. In my opinion, he was mad at academics. He was like, why are you asking these stupid-ass questions and saying this stupid-ass shit? He didn't look at the Migos when he got up. He looked at academics and was like, this is how you going to do this shit? I'm fucking out of here, yo. You know, there was a situation that led up to that, though. It was like, the people at QC was kind of... They were already mad at it. They were already mad at Joe. The Migos are sensitive. That's a good way to describe it. That's a good way to describe it. That's a unique thing. Those outfits... Yeah, great outfits. Scooby Doo outfits. Really Scooby Doo outfits. They were just on ten. Chris Brown got a couple ass whoopings coming to him, but he's not no pussy. He's probably he's probably got Tourette's. Chris Brown ain't no ain't no sucker. I feel like he's got Tourette's and like he gets around people and says some shit. Chris Brown. And then he just pisses people off. The dude that does that much talking. He's like always in the middle of some trouble, but he's not out here talking mad shit and like he's not out here like trying to antagonize people. Shit finds him. I mean, definitely you finds know, him. and he's done some things. <laughs> definitely like, finds him. I can't. Yeah, you know, I mean, I don't know. He he looked like he in good shape and he dancing around and he been training this whole life. I, I'm I'm putting my money on Chris Brown versus a couple people. When it comes to boxing, on what? A lot of people say he's on that shit. I mean, he wants. I mean, you in Hollywood and you young and you rich. But I mean, a lot of people say there's no way you be on that shit and be on stage dancing like that. Like, there's a lot of functioning practice. Bro. I don't know. I haven't met any. I mean, I would assume we could all think of at least one crackhead that was dancing around and entertaining him <laughs> for a very yeah, long time. Yeah. Uh, I ain't gonna, that's a, that's a I ain't gonna speak on it. Dancing crackhead. What are y'all talking about? <laughs> but yeah. So I don't know. All that shenanigans of all that tough guy shit, honestly, it's uh. That's why we fuck with Nipsey Hussle so much. Because all that shit's corny. Like, I don't want to see two dudes in a blouse fighting, period. No. I just don't want to see that at all. Like, regardless you, of what they can do or not, I don't want to You left take off out again, bro. There's yeah, three guys the, in the uh, You left them yeah. out again, yeah. You left them out the group. <laughs> I can look up, you know, but that's a different thing, man. That's why with the people that surround us and the way we move and the people that we respect are just different. And there's different levels to respect, too. You know, I have, I have respect for what they do and their records and... I got respect for Chris Brown. I don't respect him putting his hands on a woman. But, you know, in terms of being that level of entertainer, like, there's not a lot of people doing it like him. Like, R&B doesn't even exist. Like, there's no R&B. It's, like, dead anyway, almost. Like, there's, like, no R&B. There's definitely no R&B groups. So you gotta... Yeah. Shit is over. No, that is, what's that group that they brought back? Until a rapper, really, 80. Was the group they brought back? Where they, they they brought the group back with like actors and now they're touring the actors as the actual edition. yeah. Oh, new edition. <laughs> new edition. Look how amazing that is! Like new edition. That's that's amazing. And then that's musically there before my time. Yeah. Oh, okay. I, I, I didn't say it. You guys, I didn't. I wasn't going in that direction. I mean, is, I, is it here? Talking about Bobby too much. Is like, it here? Nah, he just gotta live, man. He gotta live. Bobby um, was the original function of crackhead. He's, he's out there. He, he had his he had his turbulence. But if Chris Brown is the new Bobby Brown, I mean it's appropriate, right? <laughs> I mean, it's appropriate. And he's been in the game for forever. It's it's as long as Usher don't pop up on that shit, we good. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, until, until he gets one of those uh, what's it called? Those James Brown interviews. 
<laughs> like I think I think we're you good. Yeah, we'll change Yeah, we'll I can't even think about Rick James without Dave Chappelle, so. It's hard, man. And then you think about Dave Chappelle, you think Charlie Murphy. Charlie Murphy. It's hard, it's hard. Well, who's the prince? Damn, Charlie Murphy. <laughs> Bitch-ass Charlie Murphy, man. <laughs> Fucking with my dog. I just saw him on there. Fucking with him in a jail. Yeah, man. He, uh, him and uh, he looked out <laughs> his ass. Terrible, man. That shit was he, terrible. He, he looked bad. He looked a little rough. It took me a minute. I was like, I know you, but I don't like you right now. When I saw it, you know? that, that's right. damn. That was crazy. It was his last, his last couple scenes. Probably was. God bless him. Hey man, once again, man, I appreciate you inviting us to your conference room. Oh yeah. <laughs> to the conference room. Appreciate you letting us come this episode with you. It's a huge, huge, huge problem. I would love, we would love to come through and do this again. Yeah, so yeah we, we don't get invited anywhere. So yeah, we don't get invited anywhere. Cool. It's hard, it's a long journey from up there. People don't like obstacles. That's good. Stay that way, man. Keep, keep the circle tight and uh, make sure the value is high. That's why we got you here, man. Thank you. Shout out to Naps one more time, man. Go Naps. Naps always got something to say. Naps, Naps, he would have interrupted me a few times. He definitely wouldn't have let you talk shit about Wingstop. Naps and Ross is like. So we'll, we'll, have, a, we'll have a Wingstop debate with that. For sure. Right, y'all. Right. Yeah, we'll, no, yeah. no, I'm making this shit. Damn. Damn. <laughs> That's chicken, bro. What's this? That's what, just because it's chicken also? I'll yeah, tell you man, what. This is what we're going to do. Break, next, time, next time we do the podcast, the shop's going to be open. So I'm going to give y'all this one. This is what we're going to do. Next time, you're going to bring Wingstop. We're going to bring another Wings, and then I'm going to cook Wings. We, yeah, we, and it needs to be we'll a, see how that one of the down. mystery tests. We'll see, and ju- and, just, mystery test. and just, just to prove <laughs> a point, I will also make lemon pepper wings. I don't want anybody to say it wasn't fair. So we're going to make sure that we get the lemon pepper from Wingstop. We're going to get the lemon pepper from the 89 Grill. We won't get the hot wings from somewhere that's valid. Because Wingstop obviously says not valid in the hot wings department. So we're going to introduce Exhibit A, Lemon Peppers. We're going to get the hot wings from another trusted authority. And then we're going to bring the eight and nine, both hot wings and lemon pepper to the table. We're going to see how that shakes down. I got to do Catching waves, chicken wing battle. Catching waves, chicken wing battle. All right. We'll, we'll, put, we'll put that on calendar. Well, you know when this store will be Yeah, soon. I try to sleep there. So, by, by Christmas. <laughs> by Christmas. <laughs> Yo, yeah, because we ain't turning yeah. the girl on until at least our home. <laughs> Shit. By Christmas. No chance. He ain't going to have me outside <laughs> cooking in this heat. Yeah, man. That's the Catch Away Podcast, man. Also, you go shop at 89clothing.com. Use the Catch Away Podcast promo code. Waves. 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 W-A-V-E-S. Plural. That's many waves. Yeah, many waves. Not just one way. Wait, spell it again. Did you spell it right that time? Capital. W. A. V. Bitch, don't start to shoot. All right, all right, all right. I knew you was upset. All right, all right, all right. I'm done. But since I already started, capital W A B E S. Waves. Get your little discount on that. Go to Big Catchaways, BigCartel.com. 
Catch your ways podcast at bigcartel.com. Only know all of us. Big Cartel getting all the love. They are. It's not even our own fucking website. When's the podcast dropping? Tomorrow. Oh, we'll get with Naps. We're going to make the discount code 50% for the first day of the podcast launch. Discount code is going up to 50% one day only. When the podcast drops, 50%. It's crazy. There you go, man. Let's do it. Women's? Never. (laughs) I did that a long time ago. I can't do it. Can't do it. I shouldn't say never, but the answer is really once. So some authority too. Never. Never. Nah, it's not happening. It's never happening. They'll, we get a question. Oh, you can't. You gotta get hoodies, hoodies, t-shirts, sweatpants. You gotta keep it casual. We ain't gonna. We're not gonna have you ready for work, but we'll have you comfortable with some high quality. Relaxed. Oh, I, actually, there's a girl from Miami, an entrepreneur that's uh, that's really killing it. She uh, took her business from like. 200 grand the first year to like 25 million dollars now four years later making fashionable scrubs she is killing it i wish i could mention her name but i I don't remember the name of the business um but it's super cool story and yeah she's from miami and just crushed it so she basically said you know it probably started from some from some latin shit she was like you know my latin women is not looking as good as they could in these scrubs. <laughs> so we got to do something a little more flattering for them. Um, so yeah, she got them popping now and they out here popping. So, so then I heard it like, what, Bob Quigley? No. Bon- they looking like if you go get your blood test, you, uh, you're going to be happy. You know, so she got these women in the medical business and the medical field looking right and she's making $25 million a year off of it. So grossing $25 million for the people that's listening. Because gross ain't net. Um, but yeah, yep, absolutely, which is amazing. You see, once you can find it, when you know a niche and you could solve a problem, business goes to the moon. So she knew the niche very well, and she solved the problem of women that didn't want to look like their grandmas, and now she's making a shit ton of money. So she got the nurses looking cute right now. Hey, Gotta watch so, out. So what, if you're in the hospital dying or something, bring that nurse that was looking good. They might be all of them at this point. Their business is so big. That's that's a good point. They should give all the uh, the seniors, the elderly wing, new scrubs for all the elderly wing workers. I'm putting that forth. You gotta get these men something to look at before they before they croak. (laughs) Yeah. um, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. We out of here. Peace.